She didn't actually pee herself. Are you sure? I don't know. Am I sure? <laughs> That's for you to say, Lugs. <laughs> I don't. Um, you know, being on Drag Race is definitely um, it's an experience like no other. And sometimes, <laughs> to quote Nikki Blonsky, "Gotta do what you gotta do." <laughs> fears, 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 fears. Weather, fears, food, fears. Hello, hello, hello. I am Joey Nolfi, Entertainment Weekly's RuPaul's Drag Race reporter. And I'm Michelle's third ball, EW News Director, Joey in Cedarholm. <laughs> and today, we are giving you both an audio and literary experience of excellence as we were absolutely inspired by the queens using bubbly seltzer during their team I'm sorry. That one really got me off guard. <laughs> Oh, we were absolutely inspired by the queens using bubbly seltzer during their team selection to throw it back to season two and broadcast live from the pages of Dreams of a Golden Child by Jessica Wilde. And yes, we are snacking on our acai as we sip on our drinks and bask in the glory of our episode 11 Drag Race recap highlighting the first 90-minute regular episode of the season. <laughs> Jessica and Jillian... How is the juice? Oh, I love that. Absolute acai. Oh, my God. Like Miss LaDuca, I'm out here getting loose. I love that drink. I still need to. I think that might be. You keep topping yourself. That might be my favorite ever uh, Jillian closet entrance line ever. You are Michelle Fasage's third ball. Uh, I love to top myself. (laughs) But before we soak up interviews with departing queen Marsha, 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 and welcome Lux Noir London to Quick Drag for the very first time, let's break down this week's stand-up comedy challenge. I love that drink. Ahead of this week's discussion, though, I do want to mention that um, in addition to the statements EW got almost immediately from Drag Race Queens from the state of Tennessee following news of the drag ban bill in the state, including from Aura Mayari, Eureka, and Jaden Dior Fierce. RuPaul also made a powerful statement last week about these political moves and World of Wonder established the Drag Defense Fund with the ACLU, which you can read more about at EW.com slash Drag Race. Like a shot of absolute acai, this week's episode opened with something refreshing. Lux calling out Lucy LaDuca's Beyonce VMA's tuxedo look from last week for not looking pregnant enough. Lucy defended it, saying the real Beyonce wasn't really showing at the time. Which team are we on here, Joey? Well, I am on Team Jillian pronouncing acai correctly. I didn't think the word enough was going to be the one that gave you I know, issue. I stumbled That's through the rest of it because I focused all my, I've been rehearsing all night long. <laughs> well, yes, you know that I just wanted to make you say acai. That's why I gave you this one. Um, but uh, which team am I on? I think I am definitely on Team Lux with this one uh, as the rest of the internet now seems to be and actually now Lucy LaDuca now seems to be on Team Lux with this after sharing <laughs> that meme of uh, Beyonce with the very teeny tiny photoshopped waist that Lux shared. Uh, yeah, this was just a very odd kind of approach to that runway that and I love that it is still spilled over into this episode. Because I remember I was watching this episode live uh, at a actually it was at Southern Nights, which is Roxy Andrews home bar in Orlando. And I remember when Lucy came out onto the runway, literally everybody in the bar. I heard like seven or eight people around in the bar just being like, where, where, where she's not pregnant. 
<laughs> it was there like, is yeah, the bump. No. Yeah, there was not right. a baby bump in sight. And it was literally, mm-hmm. I think like Lux says in the confessional, this was Beyonce's pregnancy reveal. So obviously there was bump enough that there was a reveal. So I think like Selena's pregnant Virgin Mary baby bump is somewhere in that workroom. She could have easily uh, exactly. it or done something super campy. I don't know, like had the baby bump and then corset the bump or something. I don't know. There had to be some <laughs> other way to, to do it. I forgot about that. Yeah, Selena's one of my uh, my favorite Snatch Game of this season. Uh, Selena's baby bump. Yeah, she totally could have used that. I didn't even think of that. But this was this was also our first ninety minute episode of the season. So uh, we did get a voguing mini challenge after our first video room message in the workroom of the season, and I was really I was living for this challenge. That it only only further cemented Sasha Colby slash Mistress Isabel Brooks slash Anitra supremacy, and it definitely foreshadowed Anitra's amazing performance in the lip sync against Marsha. But I'm wondering how did the episode overall feel at 90 minutes to you for the first time outside of the two hour premiere did like this, do you think this episode benefited from the extension of time that we have all been asking for this season? Yeah, I thought lengthwise it was great. It was a fun mini challenge that, um, it didn't have it. My fear of that we would feel, feel like there was filler because we were down to so few Queens, um, was not there yet. Yeah. Um, I loved that we got to see the coaching session with Ali Wong and see the notes that they chose not to take from her for some reason later. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It and then like the main runway and the or the main challenge and the runway didn't feel rushed and we got critiques which was great. But I do have a controversial statement I need to make. Okay. I, oh, make it. Make it. Let us see. I, <laughs> I don't need to see Anitra walk that fucking dock one more time until the finale or she goes on tour. <laughs> like, great in the mini challenge, but we've now seen her do it so many times that I was like, okay, yeah, she's doing her thing. So um, I think, like, I, I, w- I won't have the same complaint in the lip sync later. I think there was a lot of other stuff there just proving that she has the skills, but I'm kind of over it. I need, I need a break to want it again. Oh, that's a good point. A break to want it again. Yeah, like I always think of Sarah Silverman um, has a great quote about uh, things that you like or things that you love, and you need to make them like a treat. So like when you get it too much, it stops feeling like a treat. But I don't know, there's something about it that I mean, I, I did have that same thought too. I was like, Oh, this is like Anitra's doing the duck again. But I I can't get enough of it. Like I, it, it, I think of it as something like who's another queen that has something that they do all the time. I don't know, like a tongue pop. Like I will never get tired of a tongue pop. I will never get tired of Anitra walking that fucking duck um, or Sasha Colby doing a neck crack. But I did have that very similar thought. I was like, Oh, she's just doing it again. But I don't know. I'm not tired of it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess, I mean, I will give it to her that it's not a crutch because she does have enough other things. If that's all she was doing in the voguing and all she was doing in the, in the lip sync, then it'd be a different story. But I just let me let me want to want more. Yeah. Um, so in addition to giving us a longer episode, RuPaul decided the ladies wanted a twist, eh? After separating them into pairs based on which bubbly can they fished out of a cooler, Selena was left on her <laughs> own, but Ru let her decide if she wanted to perform by herself or steal a queen from someone else. Selena chose to steal Mistress away from Marsha, who would now be alone. Do you think this put Marsha at a disadvantage or were you like the Paige and Lux's notebook we got a, a quick <laughs> zoom on <laughs> pl- 
planning for Marsha to bomb as a quote bad set. What were you thinking? I am so glad that you pointed that out because I missed that. And this is what I love about how Jillian watches Drag Race. Like she literally watches it like uh, you know with a very fine tooth comb, and we'll pick out all of these little details that I don't even notice. And I definitely did ask Lux about that in our interview coming up. Lux will address the first bullet point with a little heart next to it on her notebook page of why she wrote um, Trash Marsha's set. Uh, but I do think it... Look, we know that Marsha is talented at certain things. She would not be successful as a stage queen without talent. Uh, and also, as she admitted in her exit interview with us, she knew she wasn't going to do good in this challenge. I will say that... I was surprised that it was not worse um, because I think when you have queens who are nervous about doing comedy, it goes one of two ways. They either soar with flying colors or they are, you can tell that they're complete nervous messes on the mic. And Marsha didn't feel like a complete nervous mess on the mic. I think she landed a a few mild jokes. Um, It didn't seem like the audience was turning on her, but I do think it did put her at a disadvantage being by herself because as we saw with Anitra in the Daytona Wind sequel acting challenge, Marsha can really play off of somebody else and match energy. And I think that's where her strength would have come from in this challenge if she was able to match someone else's energy or play a role. Like she said that whenever um, she was first paired with Mistress in our interview coming up, she says that she got really excited because she was like, oh, yes, this whole time Mistress is going to bully me this whole time and I'm going to love it. So I think she was already sort of building that character in her head. And then when that was stripped away from her and she was just left to be on her own, it did, yeah, put her at a disadvantage for sure. What did you think? Yeah, which I think would have benefited Mistress as well, to be honest. Mistress is such a funny, off-the-cuff queen and then struggles when she has to write her like succinct bits. Um, but I do like that there was more stakes to the the choice of Selena getting to pick than usual. Like we always get the drama over the uh, choosing the lineup, who goes first, who goes last. Everyone wants their placement, and we and it's kind of tired at this point. So I like that this yeah. really was a high stakes thing because if you're suddenly on your own or you're suddenly with someone you don't want, then it could change everything. I I thought it was odd that we did not get the usual deliberation over the order that we usually get. Like it's that's usually a pretty big part of the stand up comedy or roast challenge is we usually get queens like fighting over placement or somebody advocating for themselves for a certain position, and we just didn't get that, which I thought was very very odd. That felt like something they would have done when the episodes were shorter and not in a ninety minute episode. They were also pairs, though, so I don't know if it matters as much. The queens always care. I guess. I mean, like, the closer, yes, I would say care, and the opener, although it would have been very odd for Marsha to go anywhere other than opening. Like, if they put her at the end, it would have been a complete setup to bomb, but she kind of was set up to bomb in the beginning, too, just being alone. True. And I think while the challenge, it wasn't catastrophically bad on anyone's part, I don't think it really rose to the level of being laugh out loud funny that i think i usually expect from the roast or the uh stand-up comedy challenges i mean Marsha opened the show with she had a kind of cold reception but she didn't seem fully out of her element or anything she felt comfortable being on the microphone and she didn't seem overly nervous like other queens who do this like i think of someone like pheromone or even like utica seemed super nervous on the microphone too um i think my favorite i i did there was only like one or two laugh out loud moments, I think. And it was actually in Sasha and Anitra's set where 
as Jillian already referenced, um, when she said that Michelle Visage's balls were uh, Eureka and Latrice, and that unlike Eureka and Latrice, they lasted an entire season. I thought that was really funny. But um, Jillian, what were your favorite moments and which moments kind of fell flat for you? Yeah, three days later, I really don't remember too many of the jokes. I remember that one. I don't yeah. know if I thought it was funny, but I remember it. I think also because Ali Wong said it was the only one she really remembered yeah. during the critiques. And I really was just disappointed that they did not take some of her notes. Like I thought Marsha was much funnier in rehearsal. The joke about going to Ross and Carson being gone to see or make Magic Mike versus Die Hard. Like the Die Hard one didn't make sense <laughs> to me. The Magic Mike one yeah. was funny with Ali's. Um, like closer on it. Um, so yeah, it just wasn't, I would say none of them really hit for me. I remember Lucy and Lux being good, but not yeah, specific solid. quotable jokes. Yeah. And I was also kind of surprised. Well, I, I laughed at the conclusion to Selena and mistress um, when the, with the rhinestone, I thought that was funny, but I thought it was odd that they chose to do more of a thing that usually does not work. Like when, uh, I think Jasmine Masters has like chosen to tell stories on stage instead of doing like straight up stand up, and then also Heidi has chosen to tell a story, like when she told the story about her family cookout and stuff. Um, that usually doesn't work, and it I don't know if it really worked here either. I was surprised that they took that route, but I think that both of them have enough personality that they made portions of it amusing. So it was just it was just very. It, it, it did not rank among one of the best comedy challenges for me, but um, yeah, they uh, Marsha will have some tea about that in our interview coming up for sure. I can't wait because she, she didn't seem too upset over her performance. So I guess no. that's good. Um, yeah. So on the runway, the Queens had to debut tattered and torn looks for a ripper to shreds theme and Lux Noir London gagged RuPaul a bit for sure when she came out in a look inspired by a 1986 RuPaul performance in New York City back when Ru was in a band called Wee Wee Pole. Do we <sighs> think that Lux is strategizing with her second RuPaul inspired look on the runway in a row? What did you, what was your reaction to this, Joey? No, Lux is a very, very smart queen, and she knows exactly what she's doing. She knows TV in and out. She is the candy muse of the season. She knows how things go. I think that Lux absolutely knew that RuPaul was going to gag over the first, the like Bob Mackie look uh, that was also worn by several other icons in RuPaul's life, like Cher, Tina Turner. I definitely think that was strategy. This one, Lux actually says in the interview that we did, that it was not strategy and that she actually had another look planned for this. It, that, that's why the hair was sort of a disconnect between this tribute look and what RuPaul actually wore for the Wee Wee Pole performance. Mm-hmm. So uh, she actually switched to this at the last minute. So she will give some more tea on that later. But I think it was my favorite look on the runway this week, for sure. Even if it hadn't been a RuPaul tribute look, I think that this would have still been my favorite look on the runway for this week. Yeah, it was it was fun because it was different. And I mean, it's not – Lux doesn't know the order of the runway. So it's the luck of the right. draw that she that they were back-to-back. Um, yes. But I did note notice that she was wearing the zebra pants that Ru was you wearing did. in the performance earlier in the yes. episode. So, like, she really did have all the ingredients. And it was kind of – um, I guess more impressive to me that she was able to mix and match it instead of just like, here's an exact replica. Um, I did. I loved Lucy. Uh, to me, she was Booger coming to life from earlier this season. <laughs> oh, <Booger>! <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun. But otherwise, like nobody really 
um, was super out of the box to me. Selena's Selena's look was very moving, but I agreed with yeah. Ali that it would have been really cool if it was a um, the word that I learned to say in our previous podcast and won't repeat here, uh, look of the blanket <laughs> as a really fancy tailor-made dress. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I was thinking like, I wish somebody would go full, like, like Hellraiser, like shredded skin yeah. or like a full on, like Anitra was kind of like a cat had ripped her up. I think she said, or something like that. But like a fully like here's a cat lady all ripped to shreds or something. Somebody had posted, I think it was a joke that they posted like a like a, a, a man with a six pack body like shredded ripped that way, which I thought would also be really fun. Phenomenal, Phil. Yes, <laughs> that would have been that would have been fun. <laughs> oh, I miss Phenomenal Phil. Remember when I called him Phenomenal Fred on our <laughs> you, you, podcast before? You always have Mister Rogers on your mind. <laughs> Pittsburgh icon. All right. In the end, though, Marsha and Anitra ended up in the bottom, and both queens turned a bad omen into Drag Race Gold when they lip synced in one of the best joint performances, I think, in Drag Race history, set to Doja Cat's Boss Bitch. Jillian, I, I have to know if this lip sync gagged you as much <laughs> as it gagged me, because I, I mean, I think that this should have been a double Shantae. Oh, yeah, for sure. I had said earlier this season that I usually don't agree with fans calling for a double Shantae. This one, I was pretty shocked that it was not. I think Me for too. sure it's in my top five of all time, probably my top two or three of regular seasons. Yep, um, me too. It was just, it was great. I love when they improv against each other and mm -hmm. not in a way that's like, I'm seeing what she's doing and trying to top her with like doing the double split. It was just like fully using each other performing like they were doing a routine like you even weren't sure if it was choreographed which i think is really fun yes and i absolutely spoke with Marsha about this and she gave some tea on how they prepared for this or maybe how they didn't prepare for this you'll just have to stay tuned and uh listen to that but one thing it backed in the critiques which we finally got to see like RuPaul, I think this is, I forget what the other thing, oh, the in the 200th episode when she missed saying where'd the bread come from. In this one, there was another rip, uh, missed RuPaul opportunity. <laughs> Did you notice? When it was a no, time no. for critique, Michelle brought up that she had had this migraine earlier and started talking about that. RuPaul oh, did yes. not ask, how's your head? How's your head? I was like, <sighs> so sad. Oh my gosh. I love, see, this is, this is an emotional moment for me because I really have been there since the beginning of Jilly and Closet's Drag Race fandom. And to hear that Jilly and Closet two years late, three years later is now being like, we didn't get a house your head reference that truly is touching to me. Well, the you know evolution. what? And, and you earlier in this episode quoted a, a beloved comedian, you're turning into me. <laughs> was the comedian a man or a woman i forget well it was both it was sarah silver man <gasps> yes sarah silverman one of my <laughs> favorites yes i love that drink all right like a football taken directly to the nose marcia 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 might have been tossed out of the competition but she clocked the stage with her football lucy set fully on fire in one of the best lip syncs in drag race history alongside anitra she is here to discuss how she and anitra improvised that lip sync she responds to kennedy davenport calling her beyonce look a bag of carpets at roscoe's and she reveals the trixie mattel joke that she forgot to say during the stand-up comedy challenge enjoy the exit interview
everyone. I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's Quick Drag Podcast, where I am now fully stepping down and relegating myself to Jan status for the next 20 minutes as I chat with this week's dearly departed season 15 queen. And we're going to get to all of it with her today, standing on a solid foundation of excellence to ensure that we do have full, complete coverage today. And I do mean more than just her makeup evolution. Yeah, I I can hear the eye roll on the other end of the line right now. Uh, Please welcome back to EW's Quick Drag, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Hi, Marsha. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. You're regretting letting me do that intro now, aren't you? No, I love it. I love it. (laughs) I've accepted it and I will move forward with grace. <laughs> yes, you are uh, the epitome of grace, truly, and you are you're you're making history. I think I'm because I'm catching you as you noted the other day on social media. It's I suppose like the end to your record breaking safe streak. Like, how do we feel about this? And, and knowing that you'd broken this record of the number of safe placements on this show, um, it's it's truly the greatest honor of my career. Um, <laughs> Safety first has always been uh, a mantra of mine, so I'm, I'm happy I, I was able to uh, demonstrate that for the the world. Well, yeah, I mean, with season 15, it's apparently been a big thing um, that if you don't win, um, being second place or safe is like just as huge of an accomplishment, right? I mean, with a, about a zillion people in the room, it definitely... Because um, I, I know in the past, like, safe is, like, not, like, a good thing. But, I mean, when it comes to being in a room with 15 other people, safe is pretty nice. Yes. Yes. No, that is true. And I don't want to – and it, it is, like, I, I don't want you to think that I'm, like, mocking you in any way. Because I really do think that, like, if you look at the your performance on this season, I can't think of a time where I've ever been like, oh, Marsha did – bad like marcia did poorly so like i mean hats off to you i really do think that you had an incredible run on the show you obviously captured a lot of fan attention so i hope you're pleased with what you've done i am i'm i'm very very pleased with it i think at the end of the day um all of my like like you're saying like my challenge performances were all like great um i think i just i i you know i was i was there very early in marcia's life And I think maybe if I had some more time to cook and develop relationships with more designers, I would have, uh, my runways would have improved. And then thus, maybe I would have won a challenger Mm -hmm. too. Well, I do want to talk to you about the runway this week. We'll get to that in a little bit. Let's go back to the beginning of this episode, though, because somebody who was not 
safe um, from Selena's strategizing. You were, you were not safe from that. Um, you were all picking teams for the stand-up comedy challenge, and she did choose to steal Mistress away from your team, and she left you all by yourself. So I'm wondering how you felt in that moment, if you were surprised by that decision, and did anybody attempt to like help or coach you through writing jokes since you were on your own? When I was put with Mistress, I was like, oh, great she is going to bully me and RuPaul is going <laughs> to love it. Um, and then when, when RuPaul told Selena that she had the choice to take someone else, I went, she's going to take mistress and I'm going to be alone. It's going to oh, happen. You knew, you knew. Oh, I knew it immediately because I'm, mean, if I was Selena, that's what I would have done. Yeah. Because mistress is absolutely hilarious. And she, she really knows how to like get RuPaul. She like really knows how to make her laugh. So, um, I, I mean, a- anybody who is in the competition would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take Mistress. Yeah. And uh, writing it, I did um, all by myself. But after I had like a full draft, um, Lucy looked it over for me Aww. and made like little adjustments and stuff like that. Yeah. Lucy Luduga is a sweetheart. And if you're uh, looking for a comedy writer, she is 1000% the person you should hire. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Do you remember the changes or things that she added into your script? Um, it was just like, there were like little like, uh, she was like, oh, it would be funnier if you phrased it this way. Because mm-hmm. she's like, I see what you're trying to go for. And it's definitely there. But just like maybe like swap this with this or like throw in like a little thing to tie these like list things together. You know, stuff mm-hmm. like, it was like little details just to help make it more like efficient. Yeah. No, I love that. I love hearing that she, that she did that for you. And mm-hmm. um, we also had Anitra decided on the order of the show, but we didn't see her deliberation really on that. So I'm wondering how long it took for her to decide on that order. And did anyone, maybe even including yourself, try to talk her to her or like sway her to get the placement that they wanted? Um, I remember telling her that since I was alone, I thought it would be, um, I, I felt I, I should either be first or last because mm-hmm. I feel like putting the one loner in the middle would be weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, we all, I think we all trusted Anitra to make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Do you think looking back in hindsight, you would have advocated for a different place knowing the outcome? Or do you think that you still felt more comfortable at the beginning of the challenge? I mean, the way that I operate personally, if I, when I have like a big thing to do, I like to just like go as early as possible mm-hmm. and just get over with. Cause I know that I'm going to be sitting there, um, just like running it in my head a million yeah. times, driving myself insane. Like I remember for the, for the, da- the Daytona wins challenge, mine and Anitra and Selena's scene was the last one that we filmed. And I was sitting in that chair for like hours, just like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> I can't do this. Come on. Well, I mean, you did, I I, I think you, you opened the show and it looked like, I mean, the, re- the reception did look like it was a little cold. So I'm wondering what it was like in the room actually performing it, because I know you don't have like when we're watching the show, we have like music and a backing track. And like, I'm assuming that those things are not happening on set, like those finishing touches that we see on air. So what uh-huh. was the crowd's reaction like in the room to your performance? I mean, from what I remember, the, the crowd was very um receptive and very uh warm obviously there were things that didn't land like 
as as well as I would have wanted them to. But overall, I remember it being very good. I like I sat down afterward, and Lucy was like, "That was that was safe. That was definitely safe." Mm-hmm. Oh, so she so said, "Wait, like, she okay, said that was too. safe." She didn't know because she knew that I was worried about it, and she was like, <laughs> "And I was like, is that awful?" She was like, "No, not at all. That was safe. It was like it was good. It was solid." And I was like, "Okay, great." That's good. That's very sweet. I love Mama reassuring you from from the side. Did she, was she like <laughs> laughing? Could you hear her laughing off to the side of the stage? Like, because I know Deja said last year on season fourteen, she was like trying to laugh to make sure all the girls felt comfortable. So, was anybody doing that this season? I don't know. I mean, we were fortunate enough to have um, a live audience, so it was kind of hard to hear what the the girls were doing because mm-hmm. you were. And also, in those moments, you're like absolutely blocked out. You're just like, don't yeah. forget anything. Get through it. Go. Mm-hmm. And you did seem like a re- surprisingly comfortable, like on stage. I know you were by yourself, and that's a tough thing to do. But you did; it did feel like you were comfortable on the stage. So I do commend you for that. Um, I I wonder if you had any jokes though that you remember writing uh, that you didn't perform on stage that you ended up maybe like taking out at the last minute that maybe you now regret maybe not putting in your script. Um. There was a little section that in the moment I forgot to say, and I didn't realize until after I sat down that I didn't say it. Um, I don't quite remember what it was, though. I would have to, like, look at my notes and stuff. Um, Remember just, like, a general idea? Like a... I... uh, mm, Oh, oh, oh. It was... It was... uh, You know, obviously, it was some makeup joke that (laughs) I was making about myself. Um, It was, like, a little section where I was, like listing i was comparing my my makeup when i entered the competition to things like i think i compared it to like the brick wall of the workroom <laughs> or so, something with trixie mattel oh, oh something like, like my like i just take one of trixie mattel's used makeup wipes slap it on my face and go done <laughs> like something like that oh that's cute i love that well, on the runway, I did. I really enjoyed your campy look too, like a broke down pageant queen. Um, and I thought that it was, it, I don't know if it is maybe ironic the right word that you ended up getting eliminated the week that you had like the most makeup on your face of the season, like the most obvious makeup, maybe because you just uh-huh. had this beautiful like mascara running down your face. I thought it was a really fun look. So how did you feel about being placed in the bottom this episode, despite having like a solid look and a lot of makeup on your face? <laughs> um, going into the competition, this was the only challenge that I was even remotely worried about. Um, yeah. just because in my life and my career, I've done improv and acting and singing and dancing and writing and choreography, choreographing. Oh my God choreographing like I've, <laughs> I've done all of that and this was like stand-up comedy is the one thing that i had never done before and you listen to comedians talk about like their process starting comedy and how often people bomb and how long it takes to kind of really develop a solid like tight 10 or whatever it's called mm-hmm. so um I was like, if there's any week <laughs> that I should be like worried about my performance, it's going to be this one. So I went into the week and also being alone, I knew that I was at a disadvantage. So I was just like, okay, this is a possibility from the very beginning. If it happens, all you can do is is give the best performance you can, turn the lip sync in the way that you know you can and um, keep your fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Well, Michelle did also point out 
that Lucy had a similar runway a few weeks ago. So I'm just curious as to what you thought when she told you that you should have thought of something else to do this week, given that this was, I'm assuming, a look that you brought to the Uh show instead of making in the workroom. Um, first of all, during the ball, when I saw Lucy making that outfit, I was like, no, please. Oh, no. Stop, please do something else. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I mean, when Michelle was like, she should have done something else. I was like, when would I have done that? Um, but cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- it's just, it's one of those, one of those like caveats of doing drag race is that, uh, it's certainly you brought what you brought and you can't get distraught. Mm-hmm. Uh, love the rhymes. Yes. Um, did, did you and Lucy though, I mean, after that runway for the ball, did you discuss that you had a similar look coming up? Like, did you then try to run through your mind of like maybe how you could change it or thinking of a backup? Like, did you and Lucy have that conversation? Um, Not really. I just, was kind of hoping that it would be like more than what two weeks later (laughs) maybe they wouldn't remember (laughs) that's what i was uh, gunning on um but uh, obviously you know it's not lucy's fault um yeah we all just in the moment have to work with our first instinct especially in the design challenges you have to just like get your idea and run with it because you have such a limited amount of time um but yeah i mean it's no biggie Mm-hmm. I like the I like the look a lot. I think it's really fun and goofy and yeah. No, I, I'm I'm I I liked it a lot. I do too. I I think it's a really fun look. And I mean, speaking of the roadway, you know, I have to ask you about this. I mean, what did you think of Kennedy Davenport saying that your Beyonce look was a bag of carpets? I mean, what do you have a reaction to that? I'm. <laughs> I don't really understand what she means by a bag of carpets. I don't either. <laughs> Um, I don't know what that means. But also, you know, we all we all struggle with outfits from time to time. I some of us are glamazons that were what set ablaze and then crystallize and step onto the runway. And some of us are bags (laughs) of carpet. Everyone has different aesthetics. Um, But I will say, I mean, in the scheme of my runway package, the Beyonce one was definitely one that I like really didn't know how to approach. Cause I was like, God, like what is Marsha, Marsha, Marsha going to do? That's going to really like represent Beyonce. It didn't really, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like something that I could have possibly done. And I like to make things like campy and silly. And for whatever reason, I'd love to injure myself. <laughs> so that's I don't, true. <laughs> I, yeah, that's yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. I was like, I didn't really know what to do with it. So I was like, I'll just go like elegant, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I guess the bottom line is, yeah, we just, it's still, it's just confusing. What does that mean? A bag of carpets? Because I look at it and I don't, I don't know what she means, the material, the whatever. Like I still, I'm glad that yeah. you are also equally as confused by that. Um, but the, this lip sync though, I mean, truly this is hands down my favorite lip sync of the season i think you went out in stunning fashion i think it will go down as one of the all-time great drag race lip syncs like it is definitely up there um, i had chills watching it there was a moment that you bent over backwards and like anitra leaped over you it, it seemed like you were both interacting really really well but i couldn't tell if this was like you had like a sugar and spice moment backstage where you're like okay i'm gonna do this you want to jump over me at this moment so was this all improvised or were there moments that you and anitra actually played planned out beforehand it was 
entirely improvised. Um, I did not know that she jumped over me until I got off stage and one of the PAs was like, oh my gosh, that was, <laughs> that was amazing. I need to jumped over you. I went, what? Like I truly, and like I, I mean, like I said earlier, in those moments, you're kind of just like blacked out. Yeah. You're just, you know, doing whatever you can. Um, then I absolutely love Anitra. So I, <laughs> like they, they, when they called us, I was like, oh good, another thing for us to do together. And Arsha till the end. I mean, was it, is it when you're on stage in those moments, though, I know you're saying you didn't really know that she jumped over you, but there were other moments when I think clearly, at least visually, like you could see her in your proximity. So how do you pick up on that energy on stage and channel that into a performance that does work in harmony so well? Like, is there an art to that? Or do you just kind of listen to your body and do whatever your body tells you to do? I think a lot of it comes from, it's going to sound kind of like hippy dippy, but just like feeling like the energy of the other person and understanding mm -hmm. that um, there are two of you on stage and it's not going to be fun for anyone. If you're just trying to like stand in front of the other person, cause that's like, then you're just like, you're making, you're giving someone a disadvantage. So yeah, I think, and like my favorite, um, lip syncs and like the drag race canon are the ones where the queens are like working together like I, would, I think my favorite lip sync in the history of drag race is brooklyn heights and evie oddly yes doing sorry not sorry because they're both just like they're like oh i'm gonna let her do her, her thing but i'm gonna do my thing and if we happen to do our things together fantastic um but yeah i mean it was really fun i remember uh, like being, I was obviously very upset and untucked and I, I, I was able to like shake that off and say, okay, this is the moment where like you pull out everything you have and hope it works out in your favor. And regardless of the outcome, I think going out on a strong lip sync is one of the things that I'm like the most grateful for. Yeah. And having an Itra there is something that I was so grateful for because she really is so sweet and so supportive and such an incredible, you know, just performer in general. So getting to do it with her was, was an honor and a privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And I think it's, it's definitely gonna be a privilege for fans to watch this. I mean, it was truly, like I said, I have ch I had chills watching the lip sync. It was amazing. <laughs> um, I, I just, I do think it's up there with Broken Evie as one of the best. It, it really was amazing. Um, but after it ended, I'm wondering, were you, did you maybe could you sense that it had gone over really well given like the judges reactions and did you maybe expect or maybe not expect maybe isn't the right word but did you anticipate like a double chante because i think you deserved it oh thank you um i did i i definitely knew that it was going well ali wong specifically was, was like losing her mind um, <laughs> she was like she was like the, i mean the whole judges panel was like screaming and to see specifically because i felt like the, i mean really the entire season i felt like i had a lot to prove to rupaul to see rupaul at the end of it like with like this huge grin like wow yeah. i it was almost like she didn't maybe she didn't expect it um but i could tell that afterward that like i did what I had to do. And if a double Shantae was possible, I did everything in my power to make it happen. And 
you know, sometimes, sometimes the, the fates are not in our favor, mm -hmm. but, um, I mean, I was very proud of it and I could tell that everyone in the room really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. So that's all I could really ask for. Yeah. And the last thing I'll ask you about this is, I mean, I think it's remarkable that we've seen a sort of evolution of lip syncs on Drag Race go from being a little bit more straightforward to being really reliant on reveals to now, I think, back again, where we're not seeing as many sort of reveals. Um, and this one, I, I don't recall there being any reveals in this lip sync. So I'm wondering if you maybe had some backup reveals planned for uh, any time you maybe had to lip sync that you ended up not doing on the show. The only, I think the only look that I made that a thing came off in case I had, a, in case I had to lip sync was the Beyonce look, the skirt. I could just like mm -hmm. take it off. And it was like a little unitard kind of thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I like it. I like that we're kind of getting back to like a more performance-based uh, core for the lip syncs. Because I think that's ultimately like what all of us are doing in, you know, our shows back home. It's it's not so much based on like the spectacle or the, the, the wow factor of like a, a gag or anything like that. It's really based on like how you can hold an audience. And I think that's, I think it's really cool that we're kind of getting back to that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, Marcia, I can't thank you enough for uh, being so kind in this interview and, and always in all the interviews that we've done. And I really congratulate you again for everything that you did on the season. I think you did a wonderful job and you have a lot to be proud of. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Now, she might be worrying about Heidi, but we have all 40 inches of Lux Noir London to discuss, well, all 40 inches of Lux Noir London and the excellence she displayed on the stand-up comedy challenge, plus some tea on key moments from the last few weeks. Stay tuned to hear it all from season 15's Reference Queen coming up next. Welcome back to EW's Quick Drag Podcast. And trust, there will be no fading into the background now that this queen is, in the great words of Roxy Andrews, here with us, here to discuss all 40 inches of excellence and beyond that she has brought to this season. Please welcome the divine Lux Noir London. Thank you so much for being here, Lux. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I am great. I feel like my mood just instantly lifts when I am talking to you. So I, I know we're going to get into so many references, maybe some America's Next Time Model references, because you know we both maybe love that no. show. Who knows? She's a drag queen. She's a drag queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have some serious business to get into, though. I have to congratulate you on your second challenge win of the season i know that you are already a very very confident person and i really admire that about you but um what did this second challenge win sort of do for your morale at this point in the competition um it was very it was just great to have another one under my belt um because you know as as we've seen this season, this is the season of rankings and this is the season of <laughs> who is first and who is second and who is fifth, you know? So if for me, it was just like, okay, now I'm officially, you know, on the leaderboard. I mean, I've been on the leaderboard the whole time. Um, I saw a statistic that at this point at the top six, I was the only queen in the top six to not land near the bottom, which was really, really interesting for me but um yeah i loved winning another challenge it was another check it was another um 
you know, check mark on my goals of challenges that I wanted to win. So yes. I was happy. We love to see it. We truly love to see it. And I just, I wonder how winning a second challenge or well, like by this narrative that's going on, maybe like eighth, according to Lucy's math, how did that either like calm or amplify Lucy's ongoing narrative of victories going forward after this? I feel like it probably, um, you know, helped. I would think like winning one, (laughs) it's kind of just like, you know, another one thank you you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. it either helped her or made matters so much worse for the rest of you because then like every time she doesn't win after this (laughs) yeah it'll it'll really be like the worst thing ever in history (laughs) well we did see in the preview um, for next week, it does look like Mistress and Lucy get into a, 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 maybe a big fight. I'm not sure. What can you tease about what is to come in that regard? Um, I can't really tease anything um, because I don't think there's anything to tease. What we saw, what we <laughs> saw, you know? I can't wait to see that. I am very much looking forward to that moment. Um, but we do, in addition to winning the challenge, you also won in a very different way this episode when you moved Mama Roo to tears with your tribute look that replicated a 1986 look that she wore while performing in New York with her band Wee Wee Pole. We did a whole article on it on EW.com slash Drag Race, where everybody should definitely go check that out because this look yes. is major. Um, so please tell me about conceiving this look because it is, I think that it's the second RuPaul tribute look that you have done on the runway for a uh, theme that was not tasked with like you know uh replicating a rupaul look so was the strategy going into the season um there was no strategy i am just a fan of rupaul um she's a reference for a lot of the the ways that i carry myself in drag she's a reference for um a lot of my ideas and concepts rupaul is always kind of like the ultimate reference for me yeah um this well the beyonce one um I knew that I that one was a little strategic, I will say, because I knew <laughs> that RuPaul loves Bob Mackie. Yes. Um, I knew that Beyonce had worn the outfit. So I was like, okay, it checks the mark of it being a Beyonce look. But also people that RuPaul adores, Cher, Tina Turner, Linda Carter, RuPaul mm-hmm. have all worn this outfit. So I was like, oh, well, I'm just kind of like joining the legacy of people who's worn this iconic Bob yeah. Mackie piece. Um, so that one was strategic. However, this one... This was my not my first concept for this this category. Oh. Um, I had a look. It fell through probably like 48 hours before I had to get oh, on the plane to go to Drag Race. Um, so I was just like kind of on the train. I okay, so for the hair for the look was inspired by Rue because I liked that like mohawk. Um mm-hmm. so I had got the hair made already and I was picking up the hair. And as soon as I picked up the hair. I got this long paragraph from the designer, like, long story short, I can't get you the outfit. And I was just like, okay, well, I just paid for this hair and picked it up. So now I have to make something work. And then I was like, oh, I remember watching um, videos of RuPaul in the 80s. I think the person who um, recorded these videos' names was Nelson Sullivan. Uh And they were basically documenting their time in the 80s in new york and i was like rupaul used to walk the streets and perform in this in these like shoulder pads that were covered in like trash bags and i was like Mm -hmm. oh my and like would wear like a mohawk similar to that and i was like well that's that's the look we're gonna do that i was like it's easy to recreate 
um, in the allotted time that I have, the 48 hours. So I was like, this is the one. And I was like, well, I can't do trash bags because I feel like they'll read me. Um, so I was like, let me find like a shiny white fabric that's not sequin because I'm not really a sequin girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, let me find something that's not sequin that just has sheen to it. And I was like, okay, this is it. I went to the fabric store. I bought 15 yards. Me and my boyfriend called every sporting goods store in the state of New Jersey. And I mean, <laughs> every single one. And only one had a pair of adult football shoulder pads. What? And I said, can you please put them on hold? I went and got my lips done. And then the morning after, <laughs> I went to go and get the shoulder pads. And I started making it while my friends were packing for me for Drag Race. Couldn't finish it. So I had to finish the rest of my hotel room. And I did not even realize the impact that the look would have. I was just like, oh, I'm just doing this RuPaul look. Maybe she'll recognize it. Maybe she won't. It's fine. It was actually a look that I was kind of nervous to wear because I was like, I don't want them to think that it's like too simple or like that it's not like enough. Um, and it turns out that it was probably it turned out to give me one of the most significant moments in my entire life. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment on stage. I am just still gagged at the fact that though you you said you made this and like you finished it in your hotel room. Yes. Like how many nights did it take for you to finish this? Just one. Just one. I mean, it's. I, I think it was time very well spent because, I mean, you did, like I said, you had great banter with Rue on the main stage about it. There were some people, though, online that were like saying that Rue was fake crying over this. So how did you respond to that? And were there any moments from this exchange that we didn't see in the final edit? Um, it went on for a lot longer um, than it was. She told like this, the history of like, like what like what she was feeling when she was like, it was a whole like story about like what she was basically doing the night she wore this look Mm -hmm. um, and what came out of the night she wore this look, which is um, what happened that night is partly the reason why I was even standing on stage on RuPaul's Drag Race. What Um, was it? I don't know if I should go into detail, but it was just, she met, she met some people who ended up changing her life in ways that she didn't even um imagine could happen mm-hmm. and then was born rupaul supermodel of the world current mother of lux noir london <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> like that night kind of changed her life and i felt like in that moment um the story that she was telling me and having that moment with her was my rupaul in the shoulder pads outfit moment I I, I I think about that moment a lot and I kind of get chills sometimes that it even yeah. happened and I get like very emotional. It is, it's a moment in my life that I will cherish forever. And I was there, the girls who were on the stage could tell you the tears were there and they were real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it definitely seems like you moved her and I'm so glad that you had that moment with her. Um, you, you, My podcast co-host, Jillian, she also noticed that you entered the workroom with the zebra pants during coaching. And we also see that RuPaul was wearing zebra pants in the tribute look. So were those the zebra pants from the ball challenge or were those something that was part of the RuPaul look? Um, Because like I said, RuPaul does have the zebra pants on in that look that you just decided to maybe switch out at the last minute. Yeah, I didn't want to do pants because I wanted to kind of, you know, use the reference and turn it on its head a bit and not really do an exact replica. So um I thought that it would be cute to do it as kind of like a little hot pant panty moment. But those zebra pants that I was wearing in the workroom were the winning zebra pants from the House of Massage Challenge. <laughs> they were. 
And I'll give a little like secret, I guess. I was when I was going to Drag Race, I didn't ever want to repeat an outfit in the workroom. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of running out of like outfits. So I was like, okay, well, let me like wear these pants and like kind of style it with some other like out of like some like random like quick drag stuff that I bought. And I was like, let's just make like a cute little outfit and wear these legacy pants. I thought it was really cute. Legacy pants. I love, I love that descriptor. So with this look, you also said it was the biggest hair that you have ever worn. And now from, obviously I know from what you were saying, the hair was meant to be for a different look, but that did remind me, Marsha said at Roscoe's on Friday that you all actually did measure the allegedly 40 inch wig in person, but we did not see the results of it on the show. So what was the determination? Well, one, I don't remember the wig ever being measured. I measure, I remember it being compared to another wig in the work okay. room. Whether uh-huh. or not we want to use that person's wig as a ruler or some sort of metric system, that <laughs> is, um, that's up to the other girls. But I didn't count that as being measured. I counted that as being comparison. And um, you just simply don't compare when you don't compete. So um, I will not be giving any <laughs> details about the length of the wig in question um, because, you know, it's my right as a human being. Yes, absolutely. No, it <laughs> I'm is. Kidding. No, um, I, I don't know. I feel like we just have to wait and see about the um, the alleged length of Little Miss 40 inch wig. Or is who's, she? she whose wig did you compare it to? Um, Irene's. Oh, it was Irene's. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was one of Irene's wigs. Well, let's, I want to talk about this uh, stand up challenge too. Um, it, you were the queen of references this season. You are constantly, like every episode, I'm like searching for what is Lux going to reference this episode. There were, of <laughs> course, references to past queens in this, um, in addition to the obvious homage to RuPaul on the runway. Uh, I love that you did Laganja's Let Us See on the premiere. From <laughs> I Go- didn't even like, in my head, I was just like, oh, well, this is my basis. And that's like something that always like <laughs> stood out to me in like that whole entrance. She's And Kelly Mance was like, pull it and um and Laganja's like let us see and I was just like oh my god it's so funny so I was like in my head I wasn't even thinking oh my god do the bit I was just like just uh, that's just how my brain works yeah well that's what I was gonna ask you I was like did you on some level were there things that you came to drag race references like that knowing that you did want to say at some point no no it's just all all natural all natural there wasn't a single thing where I, besides my entrance line, there wasn't a single thing that I planned to say on Drag Race. It, that's just, that's literally just how my brain works. That's just how I talk. I talk in reference. It's just, it's just how I am. Some call mm-hmm. it unoriginal. I call it being cultured. I, I fully agree. I love it. I should have known by now that, yes, this is, after following you for so long, this is how your, your brain does work. <laughs> Were there any references that you remember doing though up to this point that didn't make it to air that you wish would have i don't think so i don't think so i don't even remember and if i do i don't i don't remember them i don't Mm -hmm. even remember saying but you're here with us so so are you i do not remember (laughs) saying that at all and then i thought i was like what (laughs) (laughs) that is my favorite one i love so much um i i do want to ask you about the stand-up set though too because i also jillian uh my podcast co-host pointed out there's a very quick shot in the workroom of you preparing and you're writing down your notes and we paused it to read your notes and 
the very first thing on your notes is reference Marsha's bad set. So, <laughs> um, so you were planning, you were just fully anticipating that Marsha was going to be bad. Well, no, I feel like it, even if it was great, I feel like the thing and me being a comedy extraordinaire, I feel like I can say this. It's like, even if it was good, you have to reference it reference it as if it wasn't good to make like the joke it's all about the punchline you know Mm -hmm. so we knew that we wanted to like just be like oh yeah it wasn't good even if it was like miraculous and like she should have like a comedy special um like if she like if it was giving like netflix special like when filming wrapped like it would still like we would still be like her like one joke you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no you're just anticipating for uh, yeah, that that joke totally makes sense, and I I think you because you have had such an impact this season. I do want to go back and ask about some other things in addition to, to this challenge. Um, I want to go to the Lala Perusa. I've been wanting to talk mm-hmm. to you about this for a while. I, it seems like no matter what happens with you, your confidence, at least outwardly, just never appears to shake. But I think after you lost that first lip sync, that was the first time that I remember looking at you and being like, oh, Lux looks just a tiny bit shaken. And that surprised me because, but because the episode was so short where there may be like grievances or contentious bits that bubbled up between the queens who lost their lip syncs that we didn't see on camera. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's like with that one, I was not mad. I was like smiling. Like when Rue was like, <laughs> oh, you know, you have to lip sync again. I was like, okay, thank you. And I like flipped my hair and walked to the back. And they kind of just like got me with like a sour face. Um, But you know, it's fine. My face, I was a little plucked if I'm going to be honest, because when you're lip syncing and I feel like I got a lot of, um, a lot of shit for saying that I thought I should have beat Selena. But when you're lip syncing, you're not like watching it in a mirror. Like you don't know mm-hmm. what Selena's doing. Yeah. So in my head and in my body and in my my mind and my spirit, I was like, oh, well, I just did a killer performance. Why didn't I win? But mm-hmm. watching it back, I was like, oh yeah, either one of us could have won. Selena did do an amazing job. Um, but yeah, I was a little plugs of plenty. Yeah. Well, I think it's hard for a lot of people to visualize that in the moment unless they've actually experienced it before. Because like Marsha even told me in her exit interview that she had no idea that Anitra had even jumped over her in that moment. Like yeah, she just everything is kind of a blur. You don't really know mm-hmm. what's going on around you. It's yeah. only you, the spotlight, and the judges. Yeah. What did you think of that lip sync between Marsha and Anitra in the moment? Oh my God. Being in the room, it was like it was it was it was wild to watch. I I knew watching that lip sync, I was like, this is going to be like top five lip syncs yes. in history. Mm-hmm. Out of like all the over like a hundred and almost 200 lip syncs we've had, this is going to be in the top five. They both did a phenomenal job. And I didn't know who it was going to go to. Yeah. I think it should have been a double Shante, honestly. I don't think so because, <gasps> um, well, at that point, I was still in the competition and I wanted to get to the top. So it's like, well, no. Yeah, at this point, I'm still in the competition and I want to get to the finish line. So um, please send everybody home. I wouldn't yeah. have cared if they sent both of them home. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? No, I would have. That sounds harsh. I would have because I like both of them. I would have loved to have both of them stay. But in the parameters of being in a competition, listen, got to do what you got to do. To quote Nikki Blonsky. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> the great Nikki Blonsky. That is such a that's such a niche reference. It's to explain. She was doing she was doing an interview, and she, I just remember her saying, "You got to do what you got to do." And I refer, I quote that all the time. Oh my god, it's so funny. She is the one where she the interview where she's uh, talking about um, Zach Efron, Zac Efron. Like, texting. Yes. <laughs> I would have picked up the phone. It's everything. <laughs> it's great. I love that you you really are just the queen of references. Um, you, I, I do want to, and you know I'm not going to get finished with this interview without asking you about your response to a certain tweet saying that you knew why Sasha Colby was standing with her leg up on the stage during the final <laughs> lip sync a few weeks ago. Because, and now, but it, the next episode opened with some very, jo- some jokes that seemed very pointed in their thematic angle. So am I reading too much into those jokes? Like what happened with Sasha on that stage? Please tell us. Wait, when I said that she peed? Yes. <laughs> I, no, I was just saying that because she did a good job, silly. <laughs> she didn't actually pee herself. Are you sure? I don't know. Am I sure? <laughs> That's for you to say, Lugs. <laughs> I don't, um, you know, being on Drag Race is definitely... Um, it's an experience like no other. And sometimes to quote Nikki Blonsky, gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. I will take that as a yes. <laughs> well, yes. Um, I mean, we can just like, you know, kind of, I feel like it's one of those things where you can like, whatever story is going to um, make sense in your head, that's the story you can go with. It can go a number of ways. Did she True. pee? Was she just trying to serve cunt? Um, you never, you never know. It, I feel like it, Sasha would want you to interpret it whatever way you want to. Yes. So I think that as the consumer, that's what we should do. Well, that is literally going to be the next time I get Sasha on the line. That is the first question I am asking her. So I mean, I'm sure she'd have no qualms in telling you the truth. It's yeah. just with me, you know, that's not my tea to spill. Right. Penny. Well. Maybe something else spilled on that stage. We will have to wait to get to the bottom of it. So I mean, um, well, you wouldn't be wrong. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So before we go, the last thing I want to ask you about is, I mean, I do want to touch on an event that you are doing coming up called um, Stand Up NYC, which is, it it feels so important right now. I know that Rue um, and a lot of the Rue girls have spoken out against what's happening in Tennessee. The, yeah. There's now the Drag Defense Fund created by WOW and the ACLU. So I just want, um, just tell me a little bit more about why you're doing this show and and the, what this show is going to benefit. Um, I'm doing this show because I just think it's very, it's very important that we have, um, that the queer community is fighting for each other, um, but also our queer allies are fighting for us. So I think that any chance I get to kind of use my platform and use my art as a means to spread awareness and raise funds and do whatever I can to help the betterment of queer people, including, you know, a profession that I currently am doing, you know, I would, I'm going to take any and every opportunity I can to aid in that, in that effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's a very important thing. There's a, it's a huge roster of people that are set to appear at this. So, um, and yeah, I think tickets so are so many amazing, amazing queens. It's compl- it's sold yeah. out. I think in like seventy two hours or less. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. completely. 
Well, I wish you all the luck with that performance and with the rest of Drag Race. You have been such a, a joyful presence on this show, making amazing television. So um, I can't thank you enough for that and for being a guest today. It was really fun to chat with you, Lux. No problem. Thank you. I always love chatting with you, Diva. Yes, likewise. I love that drink. We are now fully untucked, but still tipsy from our acai drinks. But we thank you for going on this journey with us through the pages of Dreams of a Golden Child by Jessica Wilde. Special shout out and thank you to our guests, Marsha, 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 and Lux Noir London for being here. And thank you all so much for knocking back another episode of EW's Quick Drag. Stay tuned for a new episode next Tuesday featuring an all-new recap and exit interview. So make sure you are subscribed to our feed and please rate and review us. Okay, <laughs> let's put a bookmark in it, Jessica. Ta-ta. Fantastic. Thanks, Jessica. Good luck. I love that drink. Quick Drag is hosted and produced by Joey Nolte and Jillian Cedarholm, produced and edited by Sammy Junio, and executive produced by Chanel Johnson. There's weather. Cloudy weather. Ooh! Acai. Couture.